Today on the Science and Spirituality Podcast, we had an amazing time interviewing David Cooks. So a quick bio about David Cooks. He is a T6 paraplegic, is a speaker, a podcast host, a certified business coach, and an award-winning author of the book, Getting Undressed, From Paralysis to Purpose. In his book, David encourages the reader to keep moving forward, regardless of life's challenges, and to put purpose into action by helping others. David suffered a spinal aneurysm at the age of 15. David earned a Bachelor of Business Administration in Finance from the University of Wisconsin, Whitewater, and an MBA in Finance from Duke University. And after leaving the corporate world, banking and finance, David spent nearly 25 years in education, including 17 years at his alma mater, Marquette University High School, teaching economics and serving as diversity director. David's basketball coaching career is distinguished. Highlights of his coaching career include serving under coach Mike Krzyzewski at Duke University, representing the United States in Estonia and Finland with coaches Frank Martin and Guy Rancourt, who is the USA East Coast basketball coach, and serving as the head coach at Marquette University High School. Most recently, David has served as an assistant coach at Concordia University in Mequon, Wisconsin. As a speaker, David has shared the stage with Elizabeth Smart, Jordan Montgomery, Ron White, and many others, providing inspiration and insights with audiences throughout the United States. David and his wife reside in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. Those are some two Wisconsin cities I had trouble pronouncing because I've never heard right. of them before. Yeah. Yeah. What, what would you say about our conversation we had, Chris? I mean, yeah. I mean, it was great. Like, David was like a wealth of knowledge. Like, I feel yeah. like, you know, every, every question that we had for him, like, he, he was he just had such life experience to answer with and such like depth that he went into. Right. And again, you can hear from his bio, just like the wider range of things that he was involved in and that he's been passionate about. Like, yeah, it was just a really good conversation. Definitely. I think for me, it provided so much great perspective that, I mean, we're so blessed in life and it just, it takes the awareness or the, again, the perspective to really deepen your awareness and gratitude of what you already do have in your life. Yeah. and opportunities that are literally right in front of you. I think that, that was one big thing that I took away from this conversation and that uh, we all do have opportunity, but we have to open our eyes to see them. Yeah, definitely. And I think David was such a good person to speak on that because of what happened to him when he was 15. Right. You know, again, becoming a paraplegic that you'll hear about in, in the podcast. And so just how he dealt with that, like there's just lessons within that as a listener. Right. Yeah. And then Obviously, as the title of this episode says, we talk about faith and how you can have faith when you're facing adversity. So that was kind of like a through line throughout the entire conversation. But like Chris said, there was so many gold nuggets or so much wisdom that David shared that it honestly, it's like went off on tangents from that main topic. So mm-hmm. it's really rich episode. Uh, I hope you really enjoy that, especially actually stay to the end because David shares something that actually just recently happened in his life. He actually... I think it was his femur that got broken and got infected and doctors couldn't do anything. And so how he dealt with that, uh, and that was more recent and yet still again, perspective, like focusing on the good was incredible. And just, um, it actually took four or five months for us to even finally record this with him because of what happens because of that happening. So I was really awesome at the end, uh, after David even like shares like his like links where you can connect with him and all. So stay to the end. That last like five minutes is like, like just like the cherry on top of this amazing conversation. Yeah. So enjoy. Enjoy. 
Welcome to the Science and Spirituality Podcast, where we dive deep into universal spiritual principles and ground them in modern science. My name is Chris Carton. And my name is Kevin Carton, and we are committed to simplifying the spiritual side of success for you with easy to understand scientific research so you can walk away with practical tools to create radical transformations in your life. Let's get started. Welcome to the Science and Spirituality Podcast. Potentially welcome back if you're a repeat listener. Today, we have an amazing guest. His name is David Cooks. We're excited to get into this conversation with him. And uh, we'll first have him introduce himself and just tell us a story. So David, welcome to the podcast. Well, I'm excited to be here. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we've been planning this for what, four or five months. But yeah, we're here. That's what matters. Hey, but we're here. And, it, and you know, it's never, nothing in the world is ever too late. It's always on time. I really believe that. And so it's just great, great to be here. Uh, briefly, you, you asked a little bit about my story. Yes, please. Um, I am uh, from the Midwest and I'm a T6 paraplegic. I was 15 years old uh, when I had a blood vessel erupt on my spinal cord. Um, it's called a spinal aneurysm. And you hear of aneurys aneurysms in your heart and your brain and other places. And so um, that left me a wheelchair user now for um, a while over four decades. I, I, I know I don't look that old, uh, <laughs> but I've been doing that for a minute. Um, my journey uh, from there to now um, has taken me into business, has taken me into education uh, and athletics. And um, I always loved basketball and use that as, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, use that as a springboard uh, for education and other opportunities. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, had coached at a number of a number of levels. Um, I ended up uh, leaving academia. I left the business world first to follow what I thought my uh, passion was and passion is, and that was to work with young people. And in doing so, um, I ended up at my alma mater back here in Wisconsin, teaching economics and doing some diversity work and coaching basketball and all the things that I love. And um, I ended up after 17 years made a decision uh, with my wife. I was talking to her one day. I said, I think my time is up at the high school. Um, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next, but I think I'm supposed to leave. And boy, she said, okay. I was, I was like, that was, that was easy. <laughs> and so I <laughs> uh, ended up leaving there. And I remember telling the guys in the classroom right before I left, I said, I don't know much about what I'm supposed to do, but I know I need to write a book. And uh, I said, and I know I need to speak. And so that's the path I began to go down um, six years ago. And I was able to write a book, an, an award-winning book, and um, do some speaking and, and even have a podcast now. And so, so that's kind of the abbreviated journey, um, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get more into that as, as we talk today. Definitely. Thank you for sharing. That's a fascinating story, especially for all the different aspects of work that you've done. And in this new, uh, relatively new compared to the journeys you've been on of a, of a work that you're doing now, which is, like you said, speaking in your like, book writing. So yes. awesome. Yeah. And so the topic I chose, and this will be news to you, David, because like you said, you wanted to be surprised by it. But um, the idea that came to my mind when I was thinking about your story and what you'd shared is how to choose faith in the face, face of adversity. Mm. Like when things are not going your way, like, how do you have faith in, in spirit and God in yourself in 
people even like that how do you develop that because like like i said just your story is like many different pathways you've taken and you even saying like oh yeah i don't know what i'm gonna do but i know it's something else like uh, i think that's a uh, something that we all need at different times of our life but especially nowadays in our world it's like faith is is really important yeah no i think that's a great topic and i'm excited to talk to you about that because you know what um you don't you don't know how important faith is until you have to activate it. Mm. And the activation of faith happens when you are, when you come to the end of yourself and you begin to understand that this is impossible for me to handle alone. And now I need to put my belief in action because I'm convinced that the greatest gift the creator gave mankind was the ability to believe because what you believe impacts every, if it's like the filter for your life and mm. whatever you believe, it would be filtered through that and it will impact all those spaces if that if that makes sense you know so so i think it's um don't ask for faith because you will get some problems (laughs) yeah (laughs) i wish i had more faith no no no, you take the faith you have because i'm sure that will be enough but it clearly um has been a bedrock in my life a foundational tool uh that started when i was 13 years old and made a personal commitment to christ not sure what that meant all at that time, but I saw my parents and how they lived. And, and I said, you know, I'm going to go that route. Um, little did I know that, you know, a year and a half later, uh, part of that relationship would involve me being in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that I, I was like, I, I didn't sign up for that part. You know, I want some of the abundant life and some of the other things that I think should come with that. Well, this was a piece of it. And I had to just, either I was going to trust God in this thing or either I wasn't. I mean, it's, it became very simple. And I just believe that, and my family was great, my mom and dad, my brothers and sisters, and you talk, talk about faith in God and your family and your friends, and, and we'll, we'll get into that. I just believe that God is good. And whatever happens to me is going to be, going to work out according to his purpose for my life, which will make me happy and keep me going. And so that's, that's kind of where, where I started at, at a young age. Yeah. Like looking back during that time, like I'm sure, you know, being able to speak about it four decades later, hindsight's 2020, but in that, in those few moments, like, or, you know, months or years after it happened, like, were there times where you struggled with that, where you're like, oh, like, is this like, like, why is this happening to me? Like, how am I going to make this? Because I'm I'm sure that, you know, being 15, you were into basketball and everything. Like you were probably very active and all of a sudden all that got shut down and you probably had dreams that you wanted to pursue. And now you kind of had to rearrange a lot of those and i guess just how did that feel in that moment absolutely i I think one of the benefits quite honestly was that um i was so young that i had not been tainted by society yet to be so negative Mm -hmm. pessimistic i was 15 years old man you know when you're 15 you're starting to like girls you're figuring out gotta get back to hang out with the fellas and so my mindset was i'm gonna be okay i'm 15 Mm -hmm. years old and so I think sometimes that I don't know if that's being naive or is that's just where I was as 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 a young person um, really helped more than more than I didn't have a lot of questions to ask because I hadn't lived enough life. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I, yep. I, I I didn't know the questions to ask. Um, I I asked God, you know, what's up? You know, when are we gonna get this done? You're a healer. You do all these things. We believe in you. Let's go. Um, and I have lived my life in the in the space of expectation 
in the space of expectation. By that, I mean expecting to walk again, expecting to be healthy, expecting. That's where I live in a, in a subconscious conscious level, which whichever one of those consciousnesses is <laughs> that it is, I live in that space. And for me, faith provides hope. And if you don't have hope, this is a difficult life to live without a wheelchair. It's difficult just when you're walking and everything's okay. But that faith gives you a little like an injection of something. And mm -hmm. I, I do remember, I mean, I I remember um, going in to the rehab center and um, seeing some doctors and stuff, and and they were checking me out and, and thought that I was in denial and stuff, and they were like, well, no, he's not in denial at all. I mean, we, he's pretty good, and they couldn't understand how you could have a positive outlook. Well, I had a roommate. His name was Tony Otters, and he was a quadriplegic. I'd never seen a quadriplegic, you know, again, I'm new in a wheelchair game. And Tony was like super upbeat, really positive. And I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta talk to this guy. And he's my roommate. And he was gonna go to college, he said, he was gonna become a, a, a doctor, like an MD doctor and all of that. And I was just like, man, this is crazy. So one day we were in rehab together, we were doing some work on mats, you know, how you have to turn and get dressed and all that kind of stuff. So you have to relearn all of that. And there were things Tony was watching me because he couldn't do 80% of the things that I could do. Hmm. And it was at that moment that my perspective was changed. And I understood that I'm not, it's not, I'm not as bad off as somebody else. And I literally had an example in front of me that said, you can do this. If he can work hard with his limitations, then you can work hard with what you have with your abilities. And that's really, that was a turning point right there at age 15. Hmm. It's incredible. Yeah, Sounds Kevin, like God put that person in front of you or to help, honestly. I, look, it was, it was, it had, it was a divine appointment. What's the chances of that happening? Uh, a suburban guy with a city kid um, that he was just what I needed. And one of the things as I have looked back over my life, is how often God has placed the right people in my life when I needed them for what he was asking me to do next. And I love that because life is not supposed to be spent or experienced by yourself. It's partnerships and all that kind of stuff that make it work. And, and Tony Otters was, was probably the first, the first on this journey that I had. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's also important to have that awareness too, that things in your life that are placed in your life at that time that could actually be used as an opportunity. Cause I feel like if you don't have that mindset, you know, God can be placing things in front of you your whole life and you could be missing them because your mindset's not in the right place to actually be looking for blessings and looking for, um, you know, things to be grateful for and positive things from your situation. I feel yeah. like that happens a lot. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you, if you allow the obstacle to become the only thing in your vision, then you're going to miss everything. And I think that sometimes, you know, we we live in, in valleys a lot. You know, life is like a roller coaster. We're up and we're down. But we have to remember that the valley is the moist place. It's a place of of nurturing and everything. And, and we're in between blessings is what I call it. Because you got a, a high mountain on the right, a high mountain on the left. That means you're just in between blessings. <laughs> That's all. And, and that that 
this too will pass. And you will get from that valley of, of despair to that top of the mountain again. And then you might get knocked down again, but at least now you've got, you've got a ritual. You've got, you've got something that you can, can uh, look back on to help you get through it. Interesting. That just reminded me of something you said earlier that like the faith has become more of a, a, I don't know if you use the word bedrock or ground point, like a, something that you could always be stable, stable on. It's like something yes. to build off of it. That sounds exactly like that analogy as well. Yeah, absolutely. It is a foundation. It's a bedrock. It's stable. Um, and I believe that every person who has a belief in God is given a, a certain amount of faith for what they need it for. Mm. what they need it for not for what i can't believe for you i mean i can, right. I can believe i can believe with you but i can't believe for you right. because I, that's your thing and so um it really is 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 i think it's essential especially when you're you know dealing with so many different things that can drive you crazy literally right. yeah it's awesome i feel like yeah i was gonna say i feel like um i kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the like you said that you did coach for a while, right? Yes. And like how you imbued some of these lessons that you learned throughout your time in life onto, you know, the kids that you coach. Cause I feel like just hearing you talk and hearing about your experience, I can just see how a lot of that can relate to, you know, kids growing up in sports and, and team events. And so I just kind of want to get your perspective on, you know, how you wove those lessons in and, and, and maybe an example of like, you know, how, how it helps some, some students and stuff. Um, you know, I think the I think one of the greatest examples of that, um, because I wasn't sure, because so let me just give you a little bit of background on the basketball piece. Yeah. Um, I started coaching here in Wisconsin, actually, when I was a banker. And um, one of the, uh, my mentor said, you know what, man, you always talk about this basketball thing, you should coach a bank team. I was like, a bank mm -hmm. team? <laughs> that's, old, that's like old men and stuff. <laughs> and so, uh, but I did it because I love the game and, and it was just kind of getting me started. And uh, eventually I, I connected with some guys that were running a pretty good AAU, AAU program and, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I ended up leaving the banking to go to Duke University to get my MBA. So when I'm at Duke, uh, I'm there for the 91 to 93 with Hurley and Leitner and Grant Hill and all these guys. And uh, I get my MBA and I get to be a part of the basketball staff. And um, that was the beginning of a journey of basketball that took me, kept taking me to, to higher levels. Um, and I give that background because um, when I went to graduate school, I wanted to make sure I had an opportunity, if I could, to participate in athletics somewhere. And so when I got into Duke, I loved it. I didn't know Coach K. I didn't know anybody in the basketball office at all, but I thought I had something to offer. And so I went, I went for it. You know, mm -hmm. if they, they said, no, I'm going to be taking classes anyway and going, going to games, but what's there to lose? And eventually that thing worked out. Um, and then from there I left and started coaching high school and, and everything. So, so that gives you a little bit of a background on, on some of the basketball. Um, when I got my first head coaching job, it was in Connecticut. And uh, our team was not very good. I, I knew that going in. I mean, I, I, but I wanted, I, I wanted to coach. So I'm working for, mm -hmm. I'm working for the largest company in the world at the time and coaching on the side. And eventually I realized that I, I just couldn't work anymore in that, in the, in that business. I was sitting there drawing up plays instead of doing yeah. red, red, red sheets and stuff. Mm -hmm. 
you don't have to hit me in the head too many times. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave that. And I started coaching. And I remember um, the guys, the, the first group of guys I coached, um, the wheelchair didn't matter to them. And I was like, wow, you know, they, they, they just considered me a coach. They didn't care about anything else. And you talk about lessons that I needed that. I needed them. I needed to know that in their eyes, I'm just coach wheelchair, no wheelchair. He's, he's the coach and he knows the game. Let's do what he says. That was a turning point for me in terms of my own self-esteem and self-confidence. And I've never felt like I, that I needed to like prove myself to people, but I always wanted to make people comfortable. And for, for a bunch of 15 to 18 year old boys, um, like, yeah, whatever, let's go do this. That was game changing for me. Um, so along the way, um, and I coached over 30 years um, in, in all different levels. The one thing that I learned along the way that um, I didn't realize, I guess, was how much people were watching what I was doing. And the, inspira and the, and the inspiration that just came from, from me being able to be present and being able um, to, to be authentic with them and share with them. Um, and I, I mean, from... I think I got a girl pregnant too. I think I may have a drug, I think I may have a drug problem. Coach, what can we do? You know, so all of those things became became part of who I was uh, because I really I really cared about these guys. You know, like for real, like, you know, it was I would go through the wall for them and they would they would run through the wall for me. And <laughs> once once they knew that I really cared about them and loved them, it was crazy. But it was because of how they received me. That very first coaching job changed my perspective. Like now I can just go in and, and be who I am because it's not an issue. You know, you always think diff being different could be an issue. And when it wasn't an issue, I mean, it wasn't an issue for the school to hire me. Um, yeah, but yeah. I thought it may be an issue for the kids or the parents or something because, and and we we didn't win a lot of games there. We got much more competitive, but we would still lose. Um, so having having that first experience and also having these young men understand how to have victory in the middle of defeat was probably my greatest thing. How do you measure wins when it doesn't seem like it's going well? Hmm. You know, and and I think part of that I learned from I had I I, I didn't try to eat the entire paralysis thing at one time. That that had been too much. But I, I literally would take a day. And when I got at the end of that day, I would say, okay, now what did I do pretty good today? Okay, today you learned how to get dressed. Today you learned. And I began to celebrate the little victory in the midst of what appeared to be a major loss. And that is probably the greatest skill I pass on to my basketball players. Hmm. Count the wins. Yeah. Count the wins. That's powerful really important lesson. I think also for just in life in general, like obviously in your case with, again, how you dealt with the paralysis and like move through that, like that was a learning lesson, but then how you can teach that and share mm -hmm. that with the kids you were coaching. That's yeah. a, that's a life lesson right there. Not it's just great, for the game. It's a, yeah. It's a great lesson for everyone. I think sometimes life can be difficult. I mean, right. look, life is going to test you to see what you're made of. That's what life is going to do. Whoever you are, if you haven't had your testing moment, it's coming. <laughs> and, so, and so you're going to have to know how to pass the test. Gratitude is the, is the first answer 
on the test. If you can start at a place of gratitude and and go from there, it's amazing how you will how you will pass that test hmm. because you become grateful for all the little things, you know, just right, you know, just the little things, man. And that uh, that and those little things will keep you going because you can only handle so much in a day. And I believe that you're given grace and mercy for one day at a time. And once that once that has been exhausted, shut it down and come back and come back the next day. Otherwise, you will find yourself frustrated, irritated, questioning everything about everything. Um, and that leads to uh, not being very productive. Right. Yeah. It, the, it. Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say that gratitude is important for the little things, but it also it also makes you gracious for the test too. The mm. overall thing, because you're because the way you look at it, it's like, okay, like I, I knew this, as you were saying, like, you know, that life is going to hit you with something at some point to test you. So if you're in that place of gratitude, when it comes, you're like, all right, this is my test. And you're grateful for that because you know, the growth it's going to take mm. in you to get through that. Absolutely. The process it's you, you become less intimidated by the process and more appreciative of the process. Mm -hmm. um, and and that will get you there because you started, like you said, in a place of Thanksgiving, not for what happened. I, I make this really clear. I said this in my book. I don't think you can be thankful for everything that happens to you, but you can be thankful in that thing that happened to you. You can find something in that thing that you can be grateful for. Not this, I'm not grateful that I'm, that I'm not walking. Some people might be, but I'm not. I'm like, no, I mean, I'd rather walk. Are you kidding me? I mean, mm. this is not even not even a question. But within the circumstances that I have, I'm grateful to have an education. I'm grateful to have a wife. I'm grateful to have coach basketball, to have an MBA. All of those things I am grateful for in the midst of this because it didn't have to be this way. It could have gone another way. I mean, seriously. I mean, I yeah, I know yeah. I know guys who have who have dealt with things similar to mine and they couldn't, it, it was too much for them. And they, and they and they just could never get themselves going. So that gratitude is huge. And I was going to add on top of that, which I think is a perfect uh, extra thing on top of that is it, it sounds like it builds momentum too. And I don't know if you'd agree with that, David, but like in terms of like having the gratitude for even the small things that if you focus on just the day that you're in and not letting it overwhelm you of like the whole process it's going to take, that it does build momentum in the direction you actually want to go. Yeah, it's um, it's great because the more success you have, the more success you have, <laughs> right? right. Yeah. So, and and then each each moment of success builds your confidence, and so you think you can do more now that you've had that success, and your confidence is built, and and that is momentum at its at its best level. Um, the the one I, I have a, a quote. Um, it's trademarks, but you can use it if you want. It says that uh, it says that your ability to endure is always greater than your willingness to endure. And mm -hmm. that that really means that nobody wants to, but you can. Mm. And, and there's an when I talked about it earlier about how each person has what they need to believe for what they're going through. So you got to endure, you got to hang on because your ability to endure that thing is way greater, always greater than your willingness to endure it. Yeah. It's actually really well said. I've never heard it said that way, but you can look at any, any person that's gone through a major adversity. There was always that moment or many moments, probably every day they had that moment of, I could give up now. 
but they didn't. And that endurance through that is, you know, eventually what brought them through to the other side. And and it makes them, and you're a perfect example, an inspiration to others because you were able to get through that. And there's yeah. a gift on the other side. And, and part of that is that gift that you get to be to other people because you can say, hey, I did it. And I think I, what, I, what I was thinking was, I, I really think that helped with your coaching too. When, when, when you were coaching kids and they saw what you had to go through, it gave them the ability to be like, hey, like I, I can do this too. If my coach could do this and endure this, like, well, what can I do? I, yeah. I, remember, I remember a story um, uh, of one of my former players who I still talk to now. He's kind of like a son to me. And um, I don't remember this, but he sure does. And he tells me that there was one day in practice and we were screwing up and everything and you, and you, you had us running and we start complaining about running. And he said, I don't remember this, but he said, you stop practice. And you said to us, if I could run with you, I would right now. And he said that changed his life forever. And I don't even remember saying that. And I'm sure I did. <laughs> because, you know, when you're in the moment and you're coaching and stuff, and I just wanted them to understand, you know, I don't want you complaining about what you're doing right now, because if I could, I would. And what that there's, there's two things about that. One, they didn't see the wheelchair anymore. They only saw me. They forgot what happened. They, I didn't even, in their minds, that didn't exist. And so that's the great part. The other side of it was, what do you, don't you see me? <laughs> like, what? what? <laughs> and so um, he says how that changed him forever and, um, and just made him, he went on to play uh, division one basketball and stuff and um, just not to complain anymore. He said, I was, after that, I was never going to complain again. Mm-hmm. So crazy, but good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's amazing how clearly you said that they weren't seeing the wheelchair anymore and how like after a time you can get used to something, which again, like you said, is a really good thing. It's like, they didn't see you for being in a wheelchair, but like that, that actually took away some perspective that you helped reinstill in them. It's like, Hey, like if I could, I would, like you said, so that's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the things where, um, when, they, when you forget a person's situation, um, it's easy to not understand what they really have to go through because right. they, they see me now through their eyes of, of their life, not through my life. And so, you know, it's kind of like with race issues and stuff. If people want to be colorblind, well, I don't think you need to. I think you need to acknowledge the differences, see what's going on because that's real. It may not be your experience, but it is real. And that's what I always want them to understand is that my reality is every day I got to get up getting in and out of the shower, get dressed, get in and out of the car, all of these things that you just kind of do. My, spont- my spontaneity was done with. I had to make sure I got up super early, you know, all of these things that, so that I could present to them, I, I almost said a finished product, but I think you know what I mean, present to them a whole person mm-hmm. for them to see me whole in my situation. Um, and so it's not because they were bad kids or anything that they disregarded the wheelchair. It's just, they had gotten so comfortable with me that I was just another guy to them who happened to be their coach. And I think that's wonderful. I think that, you know, getting along with people is a choice and you have to be vulnerable enough to, to, to expose yourself, so to speak to them and give them a chance to fail you and give them a chance to love you. 
And a lot of times if they fail you the first time, like I could have gotten upset. Like, why are you guys complaining about this? All right. That's okay. You did complain about that, but let me help you take us to the next level. And once we get to that next level, the relationships are built and then uh, you can have a good time with those. Sure. That's a great coach right there. <laughs> it's like helping, <laughs> helping someone see that, right? Like that's what a coach does. A coach helps you see what you can't see. And I believe everybody needs a coach in their life mm -hmm. uh, because we have blind spots. Yes, we yes. have blind spots, and it's, there's nothing wrong with you if you have a blind spot. Uh, but you may, you need a coach to help you see your blind spots and also to elevate you to the place that you can be the best version of yourself because you, you can't, you just can't do it all. You know, that, that'd be like from a basketball standpoint, uh, having one player and he's out there by him or herself against the other team. They got to dribble. They got to pass. They got to shoot. got to take the ball out. They got to rebound. They got to do it. You can't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're, and you're going to get destroyed. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, that does make a difference. Yeah. That just made me think back to when we started and saying that you, you'd said something that you can't do it alone in, re in reference to God, but yes. even more so as well as it goes hand in hand, as well as with people, it's like, you can't do it alone, like without people in our life. Yeah. I believe that you know, God uses people. And if you aren't prepared to partner and to be a people person, you may miss out on some opportunities uh, that you otherwise could have. And right. um, I am one of the reasons I wrote my book initially, um, well, I wrote it for a number of reasons, but I, I made sure I identified uh, the guys who helped me get through high school. I wanted to make sure I thanked them. They would pick me up and take me to games and stuff and take me over to their house and all that because I wasn't driving. And all of those things were important to me. And I wanted to recognize them for the things that they did to help me get to where I am now. I don't know what I, I don't know what my high school experience would have been like without them. I, you know, there were four of them and they were very unique. Oh, we didn't believe alike and look alike, live in the same places, but that didn't matter to them. They were concerned about my well-being. And that was the beginning of me really understanding the significance of relationships and to make sure that the ones that I do have are, are feet are feeding me and not draining me uh, because I'm going to give you everything I got. Um, and, and that's, that's where I learned that I learned a lot of stuff between the age of 15 and 17, like a lot of, a lot of stuff. Amazing. Yeah. I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about your, um, the, the, it seems like you kind of jumped around a lot in your career. Like you would be doing things for a few years or even, I think you said coaching for 17 years and all of a sudden you were just like, you know what? I don't think this is my path anymore. Can you talk a little bit about that process of like, what made you realize like, Hey, this is time to move on and how you got over that. Like, um, I guess that stickiness of the prior career. And you were just like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Like this, this feels right. Um, yeah, I, I got better with it over time. Uh, and I'll say one thing and, 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 and come back to this. The worst thing you can do is be somewhere too long when you're not supposed to be there. Mm. I did through mistakes. I was in a couple of places too long and I could sense it was time. I, and you know, you, you, you get a, you get a vibe or a restlessness or whatever that might be that lets you know, you know, transition is happening. Maybe you need to think about something else. Um, I, my prayer has always been, God, close the doors that I don't need to go through and open the ones that I do. It's a very simple prayer. And 
I could tell when doors start closing, okay, you know what? It may be time for me to do something else now. What that was at the time, I may not know. Um, but I always, when I, when I left the corporate world and went into athletics at a university, I took a 70% pay cut to do that. And, but I wasn't concerned about that because I, I knew that I needed to work with young people and get this purpose thing established. You know, I lived in, I lived in a, I lived on, on campus with a bunch of uh, upperclassmen. (laughs) You know, I'm a grown man. And these guys, Hey, Mr. Cooks, cook us some barbecue. What? Uh, (laughs) But, but there's a price there's a price that comes as a sacrifice that comes with doing that, which you think you're, you're, you're designed to do. And um, so that cost component can't scare, it, it cannot scare you away from what you're supposed to do. Because if you really are in what you are uh, born to do, the resources will follow you. And I believe, I believe that, I believe that. See, now, now, so the fact we talked about belief earlier, because I believe that I can make these moves because I live in a place of expectation. Hmm. Because if, if this next move is in line with what God's purpose for me is, then there will be the resources I need for that. So when I left corporate and went academic, man, I, I, the money, whatever, you know, um, and I was single, so I didn't have any responsibilities other than me. And I, I was loving it. I'm coaching. I'm in an athletic administration. And, you know, rah, 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 just do my thing. And and eventually that window closed up, you know, because I wanted to advance within the department. And they were like, well, that's fine. But no, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, no, but you didn't know. Door and closed. So, yeah. <laughs> door closed. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I didn't know what was next. I had an interview for a division one assistant coaching job in California. And then I got a call from uh, the school back here in my alma mater. And um, I turned down the job in San Jose, California, because I just could not live on what they were providing for me. And I was, and I was like, "Eh, I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, But then here comes the job in Milwaukee back home, walked into that, you know, so there's all, there's been this pattern I left when I when I took the job here. I didn't have a place to live. My family's still here, but because of the wheelchair, I can't live just anywhere. So I had to sleep in the school uh, until I could find a place. Um, but see, again, sacrifices I had made them already. You know, and what's another one? Knowing that I'm on the next phase of the journey, and so um, it became. And it, when it, when that when that when those doors begin to, when I see that door closing, then I start looking for a window or you know whatever the next thing is to do. And so the stickiness of it, mm-hmm. I may have been I may have been uh, uh, ahead of my time because uh, the millennials and the G Gen Z or whatever you guys call yourself, uh, you guys hop around a lot. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I was like, and we didn't have the internet stuff like we have now that allows for you to really um master a lot of skills so i, I did all of that and and um you know it it just has worked it has worked out i mean it's i i um when i when i was coaching at my high school um 
and we were pretty good and everything I, I thought. And I got fired from fired. I'm like, fired? Who gets fired as, as a basketball coach in high school? I'm like, what is that? And so I had to just kind of figure, okay, you know, God, what is what is going on? We had a good, good season, had great, you know, won 70% of our games, first coach to take us to the state tournament, blah, 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 blah. And um, I couldn't get any real answers. So I was like, okay, something's going on. And so in those moments of change like that, I get quiet. And I'll do some reflection. I, I talk about reflecting, regrouping, and then relaunching myself. Um, and I did that and, you know, helped me to get through that. I mean, mm-hmm. same, same thing happened recently when I was uh, named the CEO of a $100 million project here in Milwaukee. And, um, you know, four months into it, um, their positions eliminated. And I'm like, what do you mean? Eliminated. And so I was like, you know what? Let me just sit down and get quiet again. Okay, I think I need to write another book. I think I need to get the podcast going again. I think, you know, and so part of part of being able to rebrand yourself and reinvent yourself is to know what tools you have in your toolbox. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm convinced that the fulfillment of the purpose that you were put on earth for, you have the tools and skills to do that. And it may take many different shapes or, or turns on the road to get that, but there will. There's nothing I do right now that is not. Uh, I almost said not natural, but that's not the right word. That is not something that I've been gifted with. That's probably the best way to say that. I know I can talk. I know I can write a little bit. Um, I have an MBA, you know. So so I have business, you know. All those tools that I've been given and that I cultivate. Now, once you get the tools, you must cultivate the tools. Faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to work work, work what you have and then figure out how you can best use it. Again, for me, I just want to impact people's lives. That's all. I want them to be better after an experience with me than they were before I met them. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kev, that's like... um. Uh, well, our mentor, Mary Morrissey, she has this saying, um, like, do what you can with what you have from where you are. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sounds like what you're talking about, about using the tools that you have and the gifts that you were given in the current place that you are to basically bring about the best that you can in this moment. Because as you keep working towards that too, and you have faith about it, and you're really doing what you're supposed to be doing, more tools and more resources will come to you, which you did mention before as well. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. I, um, and whether I was in the classroom or on the basketball court or speaking at a company, my skills were still the same. They were transferable. And I guess that's part of what we're talking about is that your, your set of skills will shine in whatever environment you're in. They will show up with you and that will help you to get in that environment. Now, if, if um, you go out and do some speaking, for example, and you are just just not killing it it's killing you you may want to rethink that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're not growing or at least actually really developing there it's like all right maybe this is not it again reflection yep you know and being honest to, with yourself about you know I, I i can't teach you how to dunk a basketball that's i mean i'm mean, telling the kids that just so you understand i i can talk to you about a lot of different things but i can ne- I, right now in my current state i can't teach you how to dunk a ball and they're like, oh, we didn't think about that. Well, I did because I because I want you dunking the ball. So yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 
beautifully said everything. I feel like it's like a roadmap to life you just putting forth for our listeners because it, it, it ties in with faith, like you said. But I think a lot of people struggle with when a, a door closes or something's not working, they're trying to fight and figure out like, why didn't that happen? And instead of starting to turn their attention as quickly as they can to what's next or what is opening for me rather than focusing on the negative or what just shut down. But like you said in your story, many different times in your life is that you look toward, all right, what's next in the reflection and then trusting and knowing that there's something that you have faith that there is something for you to do and using your skills that that next step, it reveals itself. Yeah. I, in basketball, we, we have this term that every coach uses. We tell the kids, go on to the next play, go to the next Mm -hmm. play, just go on to the next play. And it's interesting how as adults, as coaches, sometimes we don't even practice what we're preaching and we'll get stuck on that play two two possessions ago. And we're telling our kids next play. And if you can really adopt a next play mentality for life, you'll be pretty good because if you're waiting, if you're waiting to get comfort and justice from the previous situation, uh, you're going to be waiting a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you may want to just move. <laughs> kind of like it, when I got fired from basketball in high school and I was like, you know, they, they, they need to do right by me. I mean, I know they're going to come and do right by me. And then I heard boys say, well, why would they, if they didn't do it already? Mm, right. So all of a sudden here I am, they've moved on and I've stayed in that place. Mm. And I, and, and at that, after that, I really start moving. <laughs> was yeah. like, that didn't work out because it was taking up my mental capacity. I was focusing my mind, which is the most expensive real estate in my body. And they weren't even thinking about me. They were interviewing people while I'm sitting there waiting for them to come back and say, sorry, how this happened or whatever it was going to be. And it didn't happen. Yeah. Then the, the, the other downfall to, to staying in or, you know, kind of living in the past like that is that you tend to miss opportunities that are presenting themselves right now as well. So it's like, if you're being pulled too much into the future, you're being pulled too much into the past. Like you forget to see what's right in front of you and actually act where you can act, which is the present moment. So you, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Waiting for an opportunity. You miss an opportunity because one right there, mm, yep. you know, and, and, and that's, I think, you know, that's one of the, the, the messages to people is, is, just do what's in front of you, you know, and, and do it with all your might. My very first job in the bank was filing checks. And I, people probably know what checks are now. Uh, like, you guys like, <laughs> yeah, it's like checks. <laughs> what is, is that? that paper? <laughs> is that paper? <laughs> and so uh, it wasn't a great job, but it was my first job in the business world. And as, as a 17 year old who had just, you know, come off a traumatic experience, it was a self-esteem booster for me. And I did that, man. I wanted to be the best dude ever filing checks. I mean, I had so much pride in that job. So when I went to Duke and Coach K and I were meeting, and he said, well, you know, we, we love you to help us, but I need you to be a manager. And uh, he said, well, that means you need to fill up water bottles and laundry and everything. And I, and I was like, sure, I can do that. You know why? Because I filed checks. 20 years ago and 15 years ago, whenever it was. And I understand the process because I filed checks and became an officer of the bank in the commercial lending area. But it started with the checks. Mm -hmm. 
and there's little things we're just talking about. Just if you just do what's in front of you, take advantage of what opportunity is in front of you before you start reaching for something else. Because you never know, I'm telling you, you never know who's watching how you're handling what you've been given. You, you, you just don't know. And if you don't handle it right, I believe it's something that says, uh, if you're faithful in the little things, I'll make you ruler over many things. And so if you haven't handled the little things right, then you're going to be a little, you're going to be a little disappointed. <laughs> right. I, I think just wanted to highlight what you just said is so brilliant that you never know who's watching. I think that's very true, obviously, in terms of people, like you said, God moves or works through people, but it's always God that's watching. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So even if no one sees you, it's like, still there's, there's this infinite power and presence that has created you and for the purpose that you're here for that is yeah. watching is like, are you taking care of the little things? Like you said, it's powerful. Yeah, yeah that was good. I like, I like how you did that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, I wanted to highlight that because I think of, um, uh, so Chris and I are, are uh, what's their generation, Gen Y. So Gen Z or younger than us, like, I personally have seen is like, yeah, this is like, oh, maybe. I like, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, I'm 30, Chris is 31, but um, uh, many of our listeners on this podcast are ages like 25 and younger. And I, I've seen a lot of people who, I, since you said before as well, that with the access to information and technology, like we, we have this, especially also social media. I think there's a, there's a viewpoint of like, oh, like let's do big things versus focusing on even the small things. I think that's something that, that all of us need, but especially I think for people who are younger to really just be willing to focus on even small things and be willing to do the work, not just for the sake of like, all right, yeah, just uh, work at that small level, quote unquote, but to actually give your work uh, some pride and actually like really be proud of what you're doing. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, you're right. I think that, um, because there's so much access now and there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Right. I think wisdom will tell you to take care of the little things so that you can, you know, move to the next level. Um, knowledge is like, I'm going to get it done as quick as I can and move. And that's, that's quick, quick money is normally not good money. Mm -hmm. Just, just saying. I agree. Yeah. Cause you don't value it. No. <laughs> and, and, and it won't, and it, it won't sustain you. Mm. You, you you want sustaining power you want you know I, I never wanted to be famous I mean I, I don't know if I am or not uh, I don't think I am <laughs> uh, but I always wanted to be I, I, I wanted to have substance and I wanted to be a person of significance I wanted I wanted there to be you know fame and all that is great but significance is lasting and to me I think we've kind of lost some of that in how quickly now we can on social media do things, you know, and, mm -hmm. and paint a picture that's not real. Mm -hmm. And I'm on social media because I, I need to be because of, of the time that we live in. And we need to be aware of the times and the seasons. But social media is the enemy of authenticity. Uh, and, and you have to be careful because, you know, people just are going to put their best pictures up, their right. best situations, their best circumstances. And that's not real. I mean, that might be real for that moment that you took right. that picture, but authenticity allows you to be real in who you are in that space. And I think sometimes, and that's what sales. Now, the one thing I will tell you is as you get out and you guys do what you do, 
um, people will know if you're real or not. Yeah, can tell. Yeah, they they can tell. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, that's part of the uh, social media pitch. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. So I've had some uh, challenge even being on social media myself. Like right now, I haven't posted in like a month or two. And it's one of those seasons for me of just like, I, I need some space from this. So I can actually, it's kind of like, I'm in like a reflection mode myself of like, how do I want to show up here? Mm-hmm. How can I show up that actually would be impactful and helpful and not be just like a, you know, highlight reel. Yeah, no, that's, it really, the, the older you get and, and um, the more, the more mature you get, um, you really just want to make a difference and you don't want right. to waste, you don't want to waste your time. You know, you don't have time to waste getting it, getting it wrong too many times. You got to, you got to start getting it right. right. And mm-hmm. what's the most effective way and, and, and purpose to get that done. So, uh, and you will, I mean, you'll, you know, you, you know, you're, you're going to present who you are. That's what's going to happen. That's who you want to put on, out on social media. That's who you want to put on a stage in front of, you know, 5,000 people that you're speaking to, or mm-hmm. as a basketball coach or as a coach of, of, of executives or whatever, you need to put you out there. Right. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and, you know, save a little bit. You can't tell them everything, <laughs> but you can tell them enough so they get an idea of who you really are. Right. I mean, it's technically, I'm thinking about it. It's really all you can do. At least the the most the most authentic, the real, like the actually what people want and what you want and to actually like feel your best. Like cause if you put on any uh facade or mask, like then like you said, people can tell. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh I don't like fake. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't like, think anyone I don't does. Like, <laughs> I don't like fake anything. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Hmm. Well, speaking about real. I appreciate you being here and being real with us, with your story, everything you've learned. Uh, I feel like I've gained a lot of wisdom from hearing your speak, you speak and what you share about your journey, mm-hmm. some gold nuggets, some wisdom that uh, I know I'm going to be taking with me. So thank you for sharing. Well, I'm, I'm honored to do it. And um, I think in one of my, the end of my book, I think chapter 18, I, at the end of the chapter about prayer, because I spent one chapter just on faith a little bit. And at, at the end of it says, Faith to believe, faith to endure, faith to overcome. Mm-hmm. So there's several applications of faith that you will need on, on your journey. And it starts with believing. And then after that, you got to endure. You got to get to that. And then you can overcome. And I think that's pretty important. So definitely. So Steps it's been great. It. Yeah, it's been great. I was, I don't know if we're going to talk about uh, uh, the heaven declaring the glory of God with the uh, stars and moons and stuff. I don't know what we're going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, I we, was ready we, though. Definitely. Yeah. We, we like to make it very, quite practical in, uh, in our work, uh, with that's why, I mean, the title of our podcast, science and spirituality, blending those two things together. But I know we talked a lot about this spirituality and like faith and just really believing, like you said. So again, thank and you I, for sharing the story. Yeah. I'll say this qu- quickly. I, I, sure. um, um, I don't separate God from science. Same. Because mm-hmm. I believe he is science yes. and, he create, and he created everything that we observe and look to as science and it does tells us times and seasons and all of those things so i don't have a problem talking about astrology i don't have a problem talking about the planets i don't have a problem talking about the rotation of the earth and all that kind of stuff because that's who god is and he Mm -hmm. created he created all that so yeah i keep them all together like that yeah right 
So. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that's where we're going in a full understanding of our species and like the belief and understand knowing of that for all yes. of us. So yeah, yeah. So well, thanks a lot, guys. It's been good. Thank you. Yeah, it's been awesome. And uh, one final note: uh, where can people connect with you if they would love to? Obviously, get your book. Uh, connect with you if you do any coaching or seeing you speak. Uh, where can they find you? And then we we'll put yeah. those notes or, or in the in the notes. Yeah, you can go to my website, which is David Cooks Speaks dot com all right one word no spaces um, and then i'm on all my social media handles are at dce speaks at dc twitter instagram we have a paralysis on oh, and the paralysis to purpose um is the podcast and so nice. that's a separate page uh, that you can go to and we're on all the platforms so getting Excellent. back on that which is a lot of fun i didn't awesome. even talk about this most recent femur breaking thing Right. Yeah. And having faith through that. Shoot. Oh yeah, I forgot, but uh, <laughs> maybe we'll have you back on to tell that right. story. Yeah. I can talk about that because I'm telling you right now, that was probably the, the, the most, when the doctor tells you they can't do anything for you because it could kill you if they did, it takes you to another place. And it, um, you know, I was by myself. It was just me and my wife. And I'm out of town. I was supposed to officiate a wedding the next day, getting in my car, my femur breaks, and I get rushed to the hospital. And there's an infection. We can't do anything because we put you in septic shock. And what do you do when, you know, when that's what you hear? How do, how do you respond to that thing, man? And I, um, it was the first time I really, um, I, I did not, I was probably on the verge of depression of going, you know, just cause, you know, I, I was alone, you know, and I was like, man, is there anybody, where are all these people that I've coached? Where are all these people, these kids that I've done? Where are, and I had to, I had to repent from putting an expectation on them about how they were supposed to treat me and to free people to be who they are and that they're not intentionally not checking on me because they probably don't even know I'm in here. <laughs> and that process, man, um, to be in the hospital for three weeks, you know, in this day and age, a three week stay in the hospital is a long time. Yeah. Uh, and then the six weeks of antibiotics and stuff after that. Um, but I got home. And um, when I got home, that began I was, I was in a familiar environment and environment is everything. And I couldn't do much. My wife had to help me and all that kind of stuff, which is great because she went from wife to caregiver like overnight. And that's not her thing. She's a math teacher. She did that. And when I was, um, one day I was in the bed and I was talking her through making pasta sauce because I do all the cooking. And uh, so I'm in the back, yeah, put the garlic in, do this, do that. And when we got done with it, she had two big pots of pasta sauce. And I talked, about, I, I wrote down, and I'm going to include this in a book or something, about the importance of developing new memories in the midst of difficult times. And that chapter or that speech would be called Making Pasta. Hmm. Because that was a new memory that we had that we didn't have before. And that's what I mean. It goes back to those celebrating wins. That was just amazing. You know, she did that and I was happy she did do that. And we talk about it all the time. 
and 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 the sauce is really good. <laughs> so anyway, um, just awesome. a lot of things with that, and and uh, uh, but you're never alone. Um, yeah. I think um, um, that if you feel you're by yourself, you're not. But that's kind of like the new disease, that loneliness thing. Mm-hmm. And that and it's real. So anyway. You cut that up, slice that, do what you want with it. Oh no, we're keeping that. That was yeah, awesome. we're keeping it. Yeah, <laughs> so good. That was like another little gold nugget at the end. Seriously, uh, man, it was um so many things. I I still can't get in my car and all that kind of stuff. So I have to use public transportation. I've never had to use public transportation for anything. I've drive myself everywhere since I was eighteen years old, and relying on other people. Um, uh, there's there's a humility that comes with when you need help, and w- how you accept it, because we're all gonna all gonna need it at some point. And um, to sit in these vans with other people who have issues that um, goes back to the Tony Otters again. And I, I, the first time I rode this van, I was like, oh my god, they're getting out for kidney dialysis, and they're going over here for some mental stuff. And they're and I was just like, I'm just going to a ball game, mm. you know. And and it gives you an appreciation an empathy and a sympathy for people in nursing homes who don't have family and stuff. And it just, so if you know somebody, text them, call them. That personal touch thing that we lost during COVID is a healing thing. That touch is a healing thing. And to not have the personal touch can destroy some people. Um, and I, I encourage people to, 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 to make that happen. Make that phone call do that visit. Um, it matters. It matters way more than you think. Hmm. I mean, it helped me. I tell you that right now. And I'm a people guy. And so when I'm sitting around, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I'm like, man, a phone call, a text, a zoom, man, it makes my day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely makes my day. So anyway. Yeah. Well, David, <laughs> appreciate you making my day i don't know maybe chris can say the same but thank you for being here Definitely. really well i, I appreciate it i'll tell paul uh i need i need to come get a hold of him yeah anyway. that um, was a great connection appreciate Paul. yeah yeah well if there's anything i can do for you guys you know let me know um do you need headshots or anything you did i send you all that kind of stuff i don't even know if i sent you yeah we got it we got, got it all. okay yeah I, you know i don't know uh, yeah. I, I i i'm normally on the other side of the mic so it's nice right. to be it's yeah. nice to be interviewed. Um, and I'm like, did I send him one? You know. <laughs> yeah, so, we're good to go. Yeah, I appreciate it, David. All right, man. Nice to Thanks meet you guys. Yes. Thanks, David. And, uh, right, let me know when, when you get ready to throw it out there and I can make sure I put it on my pages and all that kind of stuff. Sounds awesome. good. Thank you. I'll do, David. See you. You too. Take care. Bye, Bye David. That's it for today. So thanks for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. So any questions, any comments, connect with us on Instagram personally at Kevin F. Carton or at Chris J. Carton or our podcast Instagram page at Science and Spirituality Podcast. And if you feel guided to, the one thing that we do ask is for you to please rate the podcast and also leave a review. This way we can reach more people and in that way impact more lives. So with that, we'll see you on the next episode.